This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why the new equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how the new equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. As always, my name is Mung. Hey, everybody, it's the Los, Nick George Ellis, uh, coming in, end of the season. Um, we made it. Full season, season's over. Hopefully, you won some money, or, or uh, hopefully, you won some, uh, you know, some, some respect. Some, uh, you know, personal personality points, some, some, I don't know where I'm going with this monk talk. Well, I mean, you either won or you lost there. There is no, there's no second place. There's no, there's no third place. There are winners and losers, right? But you can, you can lose with style though. Well, I mean, you can be less of a loser than the loser losers, but you know. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, uh, oftentimes, even the uh, first and second losers even come in with a little uh, come with a, in with a little ability to talk some smack to everybody else. Well, first off, I, I just we're wanna, off the rails already. I just want to call out our producer, Dan, who, who doesn't even care right now. I can clearly see his screen and he's playing Fallout on his computer. He's not even paying attention. This is what this happens. Isn't, oh, my God. This, this is, is what like happens. fantasy Fallout addicts. This is what happens when fantasy football season is over. All right. We lose focus and, and we lose people. I will I'd also have to say that I'm playing this only because there isn't a basketball game on right now that I want to watch. Okay, like, okay. Just, just, uh, just so you listeners know, this isn't going to be what the whole episode is. We are going to do a little bit of an- analysis, talk about what happened with players um, that, that we drafted early, uh, going through some some thoughts, especially heading into next season. We're not just going to be bullshitting the whole time, although we bullshit all the time, anyways. All right, now don't we're we? Have that to is a bunch of stuff, right? You can't just start swearing on the podcast just because the season's over. The season's over. Wait, whoa, I'm not whoa, edit that's those. not a swear. All right. You know what? Let's just get into it. Uh, there will certainly be plenty of, of goofiness, I guess, in this episode because we're already disheveled only a couple weeks after the, the fantasy season has ended. I don't but, know what to do with my life. Regardless, uh, I just wanted to throw out there, uh, not not as a brag or anything, but just as, as validation that we do sort of know what we're talking about. So Hooray. of the four season-long leagues that I was a part of, I, I, I finished first place in two of them and second place in a third. Yeah, you finished first in your own league, laddie da. Uh, I, I took first in one of mine, third in another one um, that I started the season uh, 0-5 with. So that was a very, very massive uh, turnaround, of, turnaround of fortune. Um, then I get my butt kicked in Mung's league, unfortunately, but that happens. Still made the playoffs. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was actually going to say, and for the league that you won, where you started zero five, that's why we we were so adamant, you know, during the season that you know you shouldn't give up just because of a slow start. Things change so quickly week to week. That's right. Uh, I mean, the running backs, running back injuries are key. You gotta you gotta scope those waiver wires and jump on people before they become priority waiver ads. You know, Adam is free agents for nothing. Yeah, and you know that's part of what we want to touch on in this episode, just some general strategy things, uh, and then just kind of looking at some of the trends that have become more prevalent in recent seasons. 
Um, and, th and that being said, uh, just a quick uh, a side note as well. I actually uh, <laughs> did not do that well in DFS. So I guess the moral of the story here is you should probably listen to what, what I'm saying about Redraft or Dynasty. Maybe, maybe just uh, more interesting comments than anything when I talk about DFS. It's early. It's early. I mean, I, I don't think that your strategy is wrong, but your picks often were. I, I really think that's all there is to it. Well, it's like, uh, you know, how they say with redraft, uh, you know, draft rankings, uh, you know, any strategy works as long as you're picking the right players, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. If the right, if the right guys get hurt, then you're screwed. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, um, I just want to list off here, uh, you know, a couple of pretty good calls that I had and then some pretty terrible calls, too, because I, I think part of. Uh, how you grow as a fantasy player and really as, as in as in anything really is is looking back and you know recognizing your mistakes and seeing where you can improve um and to begin with I, i'm gonna name a guy that i know both you and i were both very high on that's cj spiller oh um, <laughs> looking looking yeah. back at my preseason rankings i had cj spiller as my number 16 running back so uh, clearly a huge miss there um <laughs> But honestly, never, never, ever again. Well, but here's the thing. Actually, I can't say that. I, I can't even be angry <laughs> at, at that call because, you know, looking at the situation, look, looking at his skill set, you know, technically New Orleans should have been a great fit for him. And it just didn't work out, whether it was because of that preseason knee injury or, or other reasons uh, that we don't know about. And honestly, given the information that we had at the time, you know, I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm just saying that. I don't know that it was necessarily a bad conclusion to draw. And we didn't know that Sean Payton hates uh, CJ Spiller, but <laughs> that, we know that now. That's correct. I don't know if CJ Spiller, you know, met his daughter at some party and then, you know, stuff happened. Oh. I don't know. Or, or I'm sorry, that's Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's move forward from that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously a huge, huge bust uh, with Eddie Lacy. Uh, I had him ranked as the running back, too. I thought Jordy being gone, they would you know hand him the ball a ton. And clearly uh, that also didn't work out. Who knew the glue that kept the Packers together was Jordy Nelson. Now, the Packers are probably going to make it to the AFC championship regardless because they're the Packers. And that's just the way my life works out. But they were terrible. Uh, to play pretty, pretty, I mean, pretty much the entire team was terrible for you from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I, in my dynasty league, I had Aaron Rodgers, and luckily I traded for Drew Brees, uh, you know, midway through the season, uh, simply because I didn't have faith in Rodgers. Yeah. Um, but you know, that said, I, I had some good calls as well. Uh, you know, one of the things I was, I was always pretty high on Delaney Walker, liked his talent and, you know, I hadn't ranked as the tight end six going into the season and he finished, uh, right around there criminally underrated it's it's completely ludicrous how 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 overlooked he was going into the season yeah and then, you know just a quick note on delaney uh you know we're going to talk more about dynasty and keeper stuff in a later episode we're not really going to touch on uh, you know that much of that stuff today um but delaney walker one of the guys who are constantly underrated so if you can buy low on him i think it'll be just fine for the next couple of years Oh, definitely. A lot of people looking to ca will look to cash out for probably not all that much on a 31-year-old tight end. But um, tight ends have shown recently that they can extend their careers uh, fairly long. I'm not I'm not calling him Antonio Gates or, or Tony Gonzalez or anything, but he's only 31. Yeah, and similarly, uh, you know, I had Eifert ranked pretty highly as well, uh, right behind Delaney preseason, and certainly he exceeded even my expectations there. 
Yeah, definitely. If he could hang out of a few more balls in the end zone, he'd be even higher up that uh, higher up that list. Yeah, or you know, not gotten hurt during the playoffs uh, at the most important point in the season. But that's yeah, there that's you go. Something that you know we don't have control over. And again, so much changes week to week, and that's why uh, you know you got to stay vigilant on the on the waiver wire week to week. Yes, sir. Um, so just going through, uh, you know, the positions, um, going through position by position about some trends that I've seen, uh, you know, just to list off the top 12 quarterbacks by the end of season scores, uh, you know, you got Cam, Brady, Wilson, Bortles, uh, huh. Palmer, Breeze, Rogers, Kirk Cousins, uh, Matt Stafford, Eli, uh, Philip Rivers, and then, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And looking at that list... Uh, at least half of them were either undrafted uh, or they were, you know, drafted in rounds eight, nine, ten, eleven. Um, you know, we've said it many, many times before, and a lot of people, you know, are on this trend. But sadly, a, a lot of amateur to intermediate players still uh, have not learned that you absolutely should wait on quarterback. Where did uh, where did Aaron Rodgers drop to? And where's uh, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I had something in my ears. I didn't hear you say Peyton Manning's name. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know he did, he wasn't terrible. He finished as a quarterback one, but he was certainly inconsistent. Um, definitely lost you a few weeks. Uh, unlike in the past, uh, Rodgers finished seventh. But for somebody perennially drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah, not getting uh, it done. Just and and I can already guarantee you um, that you know Peyton Manning was drafted criminally highly the last couple of seasons, and I can guarantee you that Cam Newton will be going way too high for me. Criminally is my word. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I meant uh, you know terribly high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Andrew Luck, of course, injured. Uh, he's nowhere on this list. I love seeing uh, Kirk Cousins on there though. Sitting sitting right under. Aaron Rodgers just ahead of Matt Stafford. Oh, you like that? I like that. I like that. I, I know he's always been your boy. You know, he's you, you've had a soft spot in your heart for him for quite some time. That's right. Uh, that said, look for RG three to maybe catch on somewhere next year. Um. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think he's one of those guys where I'm not going to count on him. But you know, for for a late round, round fourteen, fifteen quarterback, certainly dynasty stash. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. It's just, it's not even that, you know, some of these quarterbacks we talked about preseason as possibly doing well with Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, you could have gotten him routinely in rounds 11 and 12. Sure. Um, but even guys who came out of nowhere, like Blake Bortles, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, nobody nobody really drafted these guys unless you were in a pretty deep league. Um, nope. You know, you, even if, if you're, you consider yourself an expert or super smart, there's just no reason to bank on a quarterback in the first three, four, five rounds even because you can get very comparable uh, production much later or even if you're streaming. And I think that's the main point. I picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick in in that uh, in the league that I took first place in. I picked him up in, I believe it was week 11. He finished, he finished the year as a quarterback one. I got him in week 11, and he was my quarterback through the playoffs. Yeah, and even guys who aren't on this top 12 list, uh, you know, you certainly could have won weeks if you streamed them with the right matchups like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, even Tyrod Taylor who came out of nowhere. Yep, definitely. Tyrod Taylor, of course, not making QB1, but I he's a great player. Very, very athletic, very talented. He should rack up points in the next year. 
Yeah, I, I like him a lot in Dynasty Leagues. I actually sold my share of him uh, in one league, but that's because I had Aaron Rodgers. Uh, sure. But certainly I like Tyrod Taylor going forward as well. Um, and, and just a quick story here. I know preseason uh, I was helping a friend with a draft, um, and they insisted on, on taking a quarterback you know, by round three or four, despite my constant urging them not to um and then again they drafted a defense and kicker by round nine or ten saying that they needed to fill out their starting lineup and and i tried to explain why not and they didn't listen and i don't think they did too hot you should have listened i told you man i told you that was pretty good you might be in the the wrong line of work here (laughs) i like it but then again you do have a face for radio so i mean oh now everybody knows the lowest notes that that's completely <laughs> false um so yeah uh, again unless you're in a, a super that's flex right league you're speechless or, uh... now <laughs> i see what you did there um but yeah uh, unless uh-huh. you're in a super flex league or a two quarterback league there there's absolutely no reason you should be drafting quarterback before round 10 i don't think yeah definitely um all right so let's move on to the running backs here uh just awful it was like Omaha Beach, just people dropping left and right. I, I don't even know. This this was one of the worst years ever in recent history that I can remember for injuries in general. Yeah, it was it was abysmal. Both preseason, early season, late season, it never let up. Yeah, and and I think that you know the the approach that a lot of people were taking uh, to drafting running backs was already starting to shift a little bit in the last couple of years. Um, you know, you hear about these things like late round running back, even zero running back, where you don't take any until you know round seven, eight, nine. Um, and really, I I can see an argument for it. I, I don't think it's necessarily the the only right approach to drafting, as we've mentioned. But I mean, look at look here are the top twelve running backs by how early they were taken in preseason ADP. So number one, we've got Adrian Peterson. And obviously, if you drafted AP, you did fine. He was okay. He was very good. He led in the league in rushing. Certified um, G, bona fide stud. You can't teach that. Yeah, but look at the rest of this list that I'm about to name off here. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell certainly was a monster when healthy, but you know he gets hurt and misses half the season. Um, Eddie Lacy, uh, whether it's by that ankle injury or you know just gaining all that weight, uh, he's a bust slash hurt. Uh, Jamal Charles was great until he got hurt. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was great until he got hurt. C.J. Anderson was a huge bust, whether, again, partially by that ankle injury. Uh, Jeremy Hill was a straight-up bust, as was DeMarco Murray. Uh, the next guy, Matt Forte and, uh, uh, excuse me, LaShawn McCoy, uh, they were both good, but they also missed significant time throughout the season. Um, Justin Forsett was the number 11 running back off the board. Um, he left early in the season with injury. And then Lamar Miller was, you know, ended the season as a top five or so running back, but he was terribly inconsistent. Yeah, just to go a little further down the uh, down the preseason draft board, don't forget about Arian Foster. Absolutely great running back, also out for the season. Yeah, and when you look at you know the the top twelve running backs in terms of end of season scoring, look at how many handcuffs there are in that category. You've got D'Angelo Williams. Um, and David Johnson, and, and maybe not in the top 12 necessarily, but guys like Tim Hightower were huge during the playoffs. Uh, you know, Sharkhandrick West and Spencer Ware both had weeks where they won you, uh, you know, the week. And then Thomas Rawls before he then got hurt. Um, I, I think that my approach, you know, early in this offseason for next year 
is going to be, you know, if people are, are, you know, leaning too far in the direction of avoiding running backs in the early rounds, then yeah, you draft the running back because at some point they become a value. Of course. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that if you can wait on running back, I'm totally okay with that approach, especially in PPR leagues. I definitely. I completely agree. Um, somebody who might have, you know, helped you very much in your season, uh, second after your season in your playoffs, Charles Sims, Bilal Powell. Uh, Charles Sims made it into the top 20 Bilal, uh, for, for the season um, in PPR scoring. Uh, Bilal Powell, not so much, but very valuable, very big point scorer. Yeah, I mean, Bilal Powell got me into the championship game and in the league where I ended up losing in the in the title game. But still, he was that was a league where I lost uh, Jamal Charles and and I was scrambling to just plug people in. And that's going to be the story of running backs. It's been the story. People haven't caught. I mean, people are catching on more and more and more. And this season just illustrates it to to the I mean, it's it's crazy. Truly like that list that you that you put off, you know, 10 of the top 12 running backs drafted off the board hurt for the vast majority of the season for most of them. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's critical and it's only going to drive the price for handcuffs up. If you get a stud running back, you need to own their handcuffs. Yeah. And that was going to be my other point that, it, you know, if you decide not to wait on running back, that's certainly fine. But I, I think we've, we've come to the point where you absolutely must handcuff. It's, it's not even a matter of if you're going to reach for the handcuff, you know, in round seven or eight, but you know how early you're going to exactly. You've got to pay for them. If you're going to commit early picks to stud backs and then maybe even handcuff your handcuff, who knows exactly Spencer where, um, yeah. And uh, you know, I was going to touch on this a little bit more later, but, uh, I think it's fine to bring up now. I was actually mentioned that, uh, you know, I keep track of various, uh, you know, stats and analysis for my own leagues throughout the season. Um, and one thing that I did for, for two different leagues um, both redraft was a sort of waiver wire power index, um, which was kind of based on, you know, I looked back at, at the end of the year at how many uh, starters on playoff teams had been either added from the waiver wire um, and, and even not, not necessarily starters, but how many people on their bench were, you know, added off the waiver wire instead of, you know, from their original draft at the beginning of the season. Um, and in both leagues where I did this analysis, um, you know, the top three teams were the highest scoring in this waiver wire power index, which just goes to show you that, you know, if anything, the you know, working the waiver wire during the season is even more important than how well you draft. Hugely important. Can you can you explain that again in, in simple person terms? Because we know I'm not that bright. Yeah. So the waiver wire power index is basically a formula that I came up with that gives a higher scoring to teams based on how many starters they have in the playoffs. Um, that were added from the waiver wire. Mm. Um, and then they get lesser partial points if they have bench players uh, during the playoffs that were added from the waiver wire. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And it was just analysis. And I already guessed that, you know, all the good teams I could tell throughout the season were adding people and, you know, dropping people that weren't contributing. And, you know, it, I, that's honestly the most important thing is to stay, you know, competitive during the season. You have to stay focused and you have to, you know, stay relevant with all the information that's going on. And that's the thing with the information, uh, the information super highway we, that we live in where, where everybody knows everything. Um, the more competitive players and the more years that are here in fantasy, the more people uh, f- 
find it easier to get all the information. It's, it's getting these great players in the waiver wires really becoming like a, you know, a, a, like a bunch of hippos in mating season, essentially, you know, everybody knows who they're going after. Yeah. It's, it's, you've got to spend your, your fab budget very smartly. All right. First off, I don't know where you pulled that reference out of, but bravo. Um, and second off, you know, I, I liken it sort of to how doctors have to, you know, take a test every every so often and, you know, brush up on their knowledge because, you know, things change so quickly that if you don't stay relevant, uh, you know, you're, you're not just staying where you are. You're actually moving backwards while other people are moving forward. Yeah, that's a sickening feeling. I mean, that's like when you're sitting on the highway and uh, or not at the highway. That'd be terrible. You're sitting at a red light and you're still braked and then everybody else starts going. It just feels like time stopped and you're just moving backward. Your stomach drops out. That's exactly how fantasy can make you feel. Man, we're getting uh, real philosophical now that we don't have actual things to talk about, huh? That, that's what we can do here uh, right now. And uh, j- just to bring up a, a point of trivia, do you, you do you remember exactly which uh, doctor you described on, on Scrubs who wasn't keeping up with his information and had to drop out of medicine? Oh, I, I can picture his face in my in my mind. I just don't remember his name. Sure, the ever famous Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, that's right. He was uh, right. he was a great character. He was a super nice guy, but he just didn't stay relevant. And I think he ended up spoiler alert killing somebody, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Chim chimney, chim chim charoo. <laughs> mixing mixing <laughs> references there. I don't know about that one, but uh, man, I don't even know if half of our audience even even gets those references anymore. I don't know how old y'all but are. But the other there. half does. Uh, that's true. We, you can't make everybody happy, right? That's right. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically what we're saying here is we cannot, cannot stress how important it is for you to just basically stay up to date, uh, you know, in season because you're not done when you're done drafting. That's only the beginning. You're not winning the season if you're a guy that, that, that lets his team stagnate. Even if you're winning, it's not going to happen. I I saw it in two of my leagues this year, guys that were very firmly in the playoffs. They had, they had people that surpassed their players on teams. They just backed out essentially like i described they sat still while other people's moved forward and just got bounced right out of uh, playoff contention yeah and i'll say you know the the third place team in one of my leagues drafted crazy well whether by luck or skill i don't know um but he he was i think nearly undefeated i think he had one loss going into the playoffs and he ended up losing um and, and getting third because he made like two waiver wire moves the whole season and at the end of the season he just lost so much depth and didn't do anything about it as the world turns yeah um okay sorry we got a little off track there we were talking position by position um anything else on running backs before we move on to wide receivers then just that there's i mean we'll talk about this later but Never mind. No, I got nothing. All right. Um, you know, here's the thing. Wide receivers have become the safest, so to speak, picks for your early rounds. And and people who play in dynasty leagues already sort of know this because wide receivers are sort of viewed as the most stable position. Definitely. Um, well, outside of quarterback, but even then we see that quarterback isn't always stable either. Um, no, sir. But so look at compared to the top 12 running backs by preseason ADP. Here are the top 12 wide receivers by preseason ADP. Uh, so we got Antonio Brown, who we don't even need to talk about because he's just a stud. Monster. Um, Des Bryant, who got hurt. Uh, so granted, uh, again, wide receiver still has surprises. Um, but then you've got guys like Julio, Demarius, Odell Beckham, 
uh, Calvin, Randall Cobb, AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Matthews, and then Alshon Jeffrey and Mike Evans. Now, certainly, uh, Calvin didn't do quite as well as everybody thought, and neither did Randall Cobb. But basically, everybody else on that list did quite well. Um, you know, certainly Jordan Matthews was up and down, um, and Alshon and Evans were both, you know, hurt at different points in the season. But unlike running back, it wasn't just a terrible, terrible, you know, war zone there where you lost everybody. Uh, you know, the majority of those 12 guys did pretty well. Yeah, even the ones you named, Johnson, let's see, in a PPR, uh, let me count this one too, real quick. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Calvin Johnson, 12th overall point scorer in PPR. Brandon Cooks, 13 point, 13th overall. Uh, Jordan Matthews, 17th. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, people have this terrible, terrible, you know, feel for Matthews because he was so up and down and also terrible. Uh, you know, at the start of the season. Um, but he actually wasn't that bad. Yeah, same can be said about a lot of players. T.Y. Elton finishing top 25, Golden Tate finishing number 24. Um, just a lot of a lot of guys performing very well uh, heading into next season. Alan Hearns, uh, both of the, uh, the uh, Raiders wide receivers, both Crabtree and Amari Cooper, both top 20 finishes in PPR. Uh, changing of the guard? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, time for the young guys to get a little more action in, in drafts. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of it because, you know, if you... <laughs> If you don't take any risks with these rookies, yeah, sure. I mean, they might not, you know, blow up right away, but uh, certainly they were drafted high for a reason, and, you know, it's because they have the talent. And similarly, there are always guys who come out of nowhere. I mean, who would have thought that Doug Baldwin would finish seventh overall in standard and eighth in PPR? Certainly not me. Certainly went ahead and uh, showed us that he is not an average uh, wide receiver, especially when Russell Wilson is throwing him the ball a bajillion times, and and the only other option on the team that's viable is Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I wasn't gonna rub it in your face, but I don't know if you saw that sick one-handed grab he had against uh, Minnesota last weekend. I wouldn't call it sick. I'd call it a one-handed grab. A lot of people are doing <laughs> it nowadays. All right. Well, um, uh, similarly, you know, guys like Eric Decker, uh, you know, wide receiver nine in standard, wide receiver thirteen in PPR. Uh, it's guys like these who, you know, you can find value anywhere in the draft, but. Uh, going back to our original point, um, you know, so many of these wide receivers were drafted highly and certainly a, a few here and there busted, but the success rate was much, much higher than the running backs who were drafted early. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm probably going into the next season with a similar uh, similar look, trying to uh, get right wide receivers that I believe in early. Um, speaking of wide receivers, nobody believed in uh, going into the season. I just want to give a nice round of applause to uh, the original beast, not Marshawn Lynch. Brandon Marshall, number 15 for your New York uh, football Jets, finishing number three at wide receiver. Uh, we, can, we can call it an effective number one since the two people ahead of him are Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, and, they, and they're just wide receiving monsters. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, I invested in him midway through one Dynasty League, and he helped me win a title. And, you know, it, it's kind of, again, we're going to touch on more Dynasty-related stuff in a, in a later episode, but again, it co- goes to no, show No, we're you, not going away for long, folks. Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's so much going on in the offseason. But, um, you know, it just goes to show you that, uh, yeah, I mean, in general, you should take risks on younger players who are on the verge of breaking out. But at the same time, uh, there are older guys who can certainly help you out. Know your situation. Know what you're drafting. 
Yeah, and uh, moving on to uh, tight end, of course you're drafting Gronk. Uh, certainly worth, uh, you know, a high high pick. Uh, obviously, the injury concerns are always there, but as we've seen this year, the injury concerns are really there for any player. Love them. There's no question. First round. Um, yeah, but um, again, my strategy for tight end is going to be the same as quarterback. Uh, you know, wait, wait, wait until very late uh, to draft a tight end unless you're taking Gronk because... I mean, look at the list of the top 12 by final end of season scoring. Behind Gronk, you've got Jordan Reed, Gary Barnage. These guys weren't drafted. Uh, you've nope. got, you know, Greg Olson and Delaney Walker. They were drafted, you know, mid to later rounds. Uh, same with Kelsey and Eifert. You know, you know, they were drafted somewhere between rounds five and eight for most leagues. Um, but then you had behind that Ben Watson, mm-hmm. certainly undrafted. And then guys like Zach Ertz and Richard Rodgers, who could have been had, you know, rounds 11, 12, 13, 14, however late. Um, and then again, older vets who, you know, have lost that luster, uh, maybe not as popular in name brand, but uh, certainly still trucking away. Guys like Jason Witten and Antonio Gates, uh, both, you know, drafted in rounds eight through 13. Conspicuously absent from this list uh, was my tight end in, in my dynasty league, Jimmy Graham. Yeah. And, you know, honestly for that, I, I think it would have been fine drafting him highly. Uh, you know, nobody could have predicted that patellar injury and uh, certainly you shouldn't be trying to predict injuries when you're drafting. Oh, even past that patellar injury. I don't even think he would have scratched the surface of this, of this uh, first, uh, you know, tight end one list. He was abysmal in Seattle and I expect the same thing next year. You know, it's ironic that you say that because uh, midway through the season, right around the time that he got hurt, he was actually tight end five or six, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but seriously, uh, one of those things where uh, the perception wow. on him was was much lower than he was actually producing it. I felt like the perception was pretty reasonable because I watched him to do absolute. Well, we'll say he did less than what I was hoping for him to do. <laughs> Yeah, well, but again, he was that. one of those guys where, you know, he made up for it with really big weeks, and certainly he became inconsistent, not a dominant, you know, high top three tight end anymore. But again, uh, well, that's like, not what I traded for, darn it. Is it? <laughs> and, and certainly I think no, and I think that's a really good point to bring up, because um, when you do trade for a player in Dynasty and they burn you, you know, the next year it's hard to go back and trust them or, you know, in, even in redraft uh, guys like Doug Martin who, you know, had such a bad rap because of a couple really down years, um, doesn't mean they can't help you this year. Um, something to keep in mind for 2016. Yeah, Jose Reyes is my guy. You know, it's a different sport, but but he's he burned me far too many times way too many years ago. Yeah, me and baseball. That's like and you're, you're like, wait, who, Jose, who? <laughs> I, I know a few <laughs> Hall of Fame names, and then that, that's about it. Uh, I, I don't know how much uh, I can help you with those analogies. Sure, sure, fair enough. Shout out, by the way, to uh, Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. Have to uh, have to uh, mention that, of course, not because this is a baseball podcast, but because he's one of the greatest ever to pick up a baseball bat. So Ken Griffey Jr. I salute you. Yeah. He hit his 600th home run uh, as a member of what team? Uh, anybody know? Mong, Dan? Uh, I'm not sure, but I believe his nickname was the Babe, right? <laughs> no, no, he was the kid. And the answer is, of course, is uh, your Chicago White Sox. I know. I kid. I kid. That's that's how little I care about baseball. I did know his, his nickname, but uh, I did not really care. Oh, yeah, but White Sox. Well, I'm, I'm also a, a Cubs supporter. I know. You guys are Northsiders. 
but uh, anyway, um, certainly, uh, certainly happy for for Mr. Griffey Jr. I, I suppose um, you can tell the enthusiasm <laughs> dripping from my voice as I say that. Um, they were saying, yeah, to to extend this conversation is something you don't even care about even more. Uh, they were talking about maybe letting him have his hat backwards on the plaque they put in the hall. Um, I, I think that might be a good change for for the stuffy old. Uh, baseball hall of fame which is a little too uh, pretentious for its own good takes itself a little too seriously i think it might be time it's 20 you know 2016 uh live a little you know shockingly i did actually hear about that um and only (laughs) because a quick shout out to barstool um because they are an excellent resource for all things both sports related and just random nonsense that's hilarious Oh, barstoolsports.com. Love that website. Been on, been watching, uh, reading it for years. Yeah, real happy to their recent success. I, uh, as I well. know I jumbled my words, said watching, reading, but it's because they have so much diverse media content that you can watch, read, listen, do whatever you want. Yeah, and recently got uh, got purchased and a big deal. So uh, again, shout out to them. Uh, great, great resource. Um, anyway, <laughs> continuing on with more fantasy related talk. Um, let's talk real quick about some bets. And, um, we did actually, uh, very, very like us. Uh, we did a terrible, terrible job of keeping track of all of our bets. (laughs) Um, I, did we even write them down? (laughs) I have here recorded about 10 or 11. Uh, I know we had way more than that throughout the season. If, if any of you, um, are, are diligent enough to have Wait a second. kept track. What is Dan's job exactly I, on this I podcast? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, he just he just does. I mean, granted, uh, a quick shout out to Dan because he does a ton of the you know editing and and you know all the technology stuff that we would be lost without. But in terms of the actual uh, producer uh, for in show uh, things, uh, not much. Let, let's be yeah. honest here. As I'm watching him kill someone and fall out. <laughs> <laughs> disable them we can't say killing oh i'm sorry i'm sorry um anyway so uh here are of the bets that i actually managed to to put down in a google doc uh here's what happened um preseason we talked about anquan bolden and tory smith um, hmm. i said that anquan bolden would have more fantasy points in both standard and ppr formats and i won both of those um bolden had 95 in standard leagues compared to Torrey Smith's 87. So and, close. Uh, Bolden had 169 in PPR compared to 125 for Smith. Not close. <laughs> um, and then uh, similarly, uh, I had Aaron Rodgers over oh. Andrew Luck. Uh, clearly uh, the injury bug bit on Luck, and I won that pretty handily. Um, yeah. And then an interesting one was Joyke Bell and Amir Abdullah. Um, and uh, it was actually very close, and Alos won this one. Uh, Joyke Bell had 72 in standard compared to Abdullah's 78 in standard. And then Bell had 105 in PPR compared to 117 for Abdullah. Hooray! Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think that'll actually be... Amir Abdullah will be another interesting guy to discuss uh, for next year when we get to those podcasts, um, because I certainly think the talent's there. Uh, it just all depends on whether Detroit can sort of get its act together. Yeah, and that's uh, that's just something that shows you. Anybody who listened to the earlier episodes, especially uh, the preseason ones, know that I was as high as anybody on Joyke Bell. But the more information you get, you need to analyze it, you need to filter it. You can't. There's nothing wrong with changing your opinion. 
Yeah, and uh, I think that's a great point to bring up because I actually do very specifically remember thinking that you were an idiot for thinking that Joyke Bell was going to do really, really well. Uh, this was back in, you know, last August, uh, more, you know, almost a year ago. Uh, or not not a year ago, but months ago. Um, it feels like a year ago. Um, I mean, we we started about, what, uh, a month after the Super Bowl last year? Sure, but I think the the first podcast where you really mentioned your your man love for Joyke Bell was probably like June or July. So yeah, that uh, was when I really dug into the numbers on running backs and uh, realized that Joyke Bell was top ten of all players in the league in touching the football. Yeah, and you know that was certainly you know good analysis. It's just that I thought the trend was going to change, and it certainly did. And well, looks uh, like it did. You know, I, I, again, <laughs> the point I want to support that you brought up here is that. You shouldn't necessarily agree with a, a you know a, an opinion of a player simply because a lot of people are saying it, but at the same time, you should at least be open to changing your opinion. Definitely. Um, all right. So the next bet here. Uh, ooh. All right, Sandy Dalton. I think uh, you won one Dalton bet and I won the other. So <laughs> I said that Andy Dalton was going to be a top twelve quarterback for the season back when he started off red hot, and uh, unfortunately, he turned back into a pumpkin uh, as I should have expected. <laughs> it's um, cute because his hair is the color of a pumpkin. Yeah, that's why I said it. Uh, oh, but that's funny. Uh, Andy Dalton actually finished quarterback eighteen, so a little bit down. Uh, although part of that was due to injury, so cer- certainly some of these bets. Uh, were affected by that, as with uh, Andrew Luck, uh, to your point. That's why they call it gambling. Um, and then at the same time, uh, similarly, uh, another injury-impacted bet was I said that Andy Dalton was going to score more points than Peyton Manning starting week six, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've already revisited some of these. We had a very specific few bets uh, for week 14 uh, involving... Um, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, uh, were, which I won, uh, although Tyler Lockett did very well th- that week as well. Quite well for a much lower price on DraftKings. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and uh, similarly, we talked about Ryan Matthews versus Buck Allen, and they both did quite poorly. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those are the bets that we have recorded. Um, again, if, if you are some sort of crazy fan, which I don't know how many we have, but, uh, you know, if, if you're out there, uh, and you remember some, certainly feel free to let us know, uh, any that we missed. Oh, we don't just have crazy fans. We have fantasy football addicts. That's, that's very true. Um, and uh, you know, honestly, the thing was is, it a large sigh I heard from Dan. <laughs> it was a very large <laughs> sigh you heard. Although at this point, I'm not sure it's because of something you said or whether he died in Fallout or something. Oh, it was gosh. definitely because of what Lo said. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, and looking back, you know, we both hit and missed on a lot of our projections and and our you know predictions. Uh, but I think the important thing is, as long as you're is excuse me, as long as you're you know hitting a little bit more than you're missing. I, I think uh, I don't remember where exactly I was reading it, or uh, someone else was talking about it. Um, where really you just have to be a few percentage points you know better than the next person to do much better in fantasy. Um, it, it's a very small margin of error. I think that actually applies to everything in life, basically. Uh, how so? Would you like to 
give it an sure analogy? sure i mean with hippos? it's it's if you uh if you do poorly in life if you're not good at your job you don't do well in school you're gonna get left behind you're not gonna get a good job you're not gonna advance yourself very far if you're way ahead of the curve People just aren't going to like you very much. But if you stay in the middle of the pack, just maybe just ahead of average, then, you, then you're going to stay locked in. You're going to keep doing your thing. And you're going to be able to enjoy pretty much whatever you want from there on out. Uh, I don't know what, what you just said there. Uh, I'm having a sort of Billy Madison moment where I, I feel dumber <laughs> having listened to what you just said. Um, so we're, we're going to gloss over that. I don't, again, nah, just move on to the next topic here. You award me no points. <laughs> exactly. And may God have mercy on your soul. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we really had a, a little bit of structure for this show because we wanted to talk about some things that happened in 2015, how that can, you know, whether reinforce or alter your draft strategies for next year. Um, but at the same time, we wanted to leave a little bit of time at the end to kind of just uh, bounce some ideas off each other and really just uh, kind of have a freeform discussion about, you know, fantasy in general. Um, so, Los, go ahead and kick it off. Uh, whatever you want to talk about, really. Well, one thing that uh, sort of bogged down my mind is as we not head into the playoffs or we're, we're firmly into the playoffs, um, something I did last year was was analyze and maybe overanalyze a lot uh, of what I saw in the playoffs. Um, last year, coming out of the playoffs, I was I was pretty big on um, some guys. Uh, Boom, Boom Heron was somebody firmly in the forefront of my mind that I was targeting. But then they went ahead and uh, signed Frank Gore in the offseason. So things change quickly. And that drastically changes the landscape. Um, I mean, every every small move, every one player move, uh, if it's a skill player, be it a or an offensive lineman, even just just greatly improving a team, really uh, alters the course of an entire draft. Yeah, and I guess kind of building off of that, um, a couple uh, subtopics. One was. Um, I, I know it's it's super boring for people who aren't like extremely extremely into fantasy football, um, but offensive lines are, are so important to the success of not only just the running back but also the quarterback, giving them enough time to throw, which then impacts the wide receivers and the tight end. Sure. Um, and I think that two things: one, it's it's incredibly important to sort of analyze how well. Um, you know, whether they've added offensive linemen through a draft or free agency. Um, and, and the best example of that is Dallas. Uh, a lot of people are aware that, um, you know, Darren McFadden uh, was highly sought after, uh, after Joseph Randall um, was, you know, he didn't get hurt, but, uh, you know, left the team for other reasons. Um, and the reason was that because their offensive line was so dominant um, and you know, to a lesser, excuse me, to a lesser extent, uh, that carries over for all other teams as well. Um, it's not just Dallas. And part of the reason that, you know, LaShawn McCoy struggled last year was because, uh, Philadelphia's offensive line was struggling. Um, and similarly for this year as well. Definitely. Uh, in that same vein on running backs, uh, bad teams, teams that need to teams with bad defenses throw a lot to running backs. And not necessarily your, your your stud running back, not necessarily the one that you're targeting on draft day, but the Giovanni Bernard, uh, the Bilal Powell, the Charles Sims, and it, it's they Danny they demonstrated Woodhead. crazy value this year. Yeah, I mean Danny Woodhead finished, I think, running back three in PPR leagues. Danny Woodhead, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and kind of, again, uh, also building off of that, you know, it's 
you know, speaking of guys like Melvin Gordon um, and Amir Abdullah, um, both both rookies who are very highly touted uh, preseason, um, drafted relatively highly, um, you know, in your drafts. These are guys who there is a lot of analysis, and I still think that both players are very talented. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important to kind of take a step back from the hype sometimes. And, and you know, you're going to read a lot of the same uh, similar sounding articles um, that touch on the same players who are either sleepers or busts preseason. And certainly a lot of them will have good points. Um, but I think that more importantly than reading the article for, you know, who's a good player and who's not, you know, read the points of why they think they're a good player and then see if you agree or disagree with them. Because even if, you know, you're not an expert, um, you know, certainly I still read articles from other people um, who are very smart. I listen, excuse me, I listen to other podcasts as well for people who know a lot more about football than I do. And I think the important thing is, is more, the most important thing is to gather all that information and then decide for yourself because everybody else's rankings should be a guideline, but you should also not be afraid to step outside those boundaries. Definitely. Uh, you, uh, you should never go into a draft um, just by printing like some sort of rank list off of a website or something. Not if you want to do it seriously. You should always rank players based on your own preferences. I mean, everybody has players that they like more or dislike more. Somebody that you're going to you know, hate yourself not for drafting. Hate yourself when you when you get beat by them, uh, you know, week week 12 and you get knocked out of playoff contention by them, you know. Uh, guys that you just don't like guys that have burned you try not to let it affect you too much, but feel free to fade them in your ranks. Definitely. If it just, you know, boy, you know, if it just really irks you to have to, you know, start, uh, gosh, who should I go with? If it really irks you to have to start Eddie Lacey, you can feel free to fade him a little bit from running back one or two off your board so that you don't have him end up on your team. And then you watch him both be a Packer and play absolutely terribly for you. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, a good strategy is to actually kind of build your own ranks. If you have the time without looking at anyone else's, um, because once you do that, uh, even when I'm doing it, uh, you know, I have a pretty good grasp on all the players that should be in my, you know, top 30 or so. Um, but even if I, you know, completely forget about somebody like Brand Marshall, and then I look at other people's ranks, then I can say, oh, okay, I forgot about this person. I want to slot him in, you know, wide receiver 11 or wherever I feel like putting him. Um, but at the same time, that way, I'm not just kind of uh, you know, no matter how much you decide to make your own ranks, if you're looking at other ones, it's going to impact you, whether consciously or subconsciously. Definitely. Um, and when ranking, I mean, th this season, I think, brought to the forefront another thing to consider when you're when you're ranking wide receivers. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, David Carr, David, Derek, David. David Carr, Derek right? Carr. Darn it. <laughs> this isn't this isn't 2007 anymore, okay? <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, and Blake Bortles each can each each basically made two wide receivers apiece, six wide receivers that all finished in the top 25. That's crazy. Nobody saw that coming. But these are all players that will be drafted highly in the next season. Analyze Analyze opportunity and analyze teams that are going to have to be throwing, going to have to be scoring. We didn't really expect that 
out of uh, out of the Jets, but they just had a much better offense than expected. Um, analysts didn't expect a phenomenal offense out of them. They expected a pretty stagnant offense. So, I mean, anything could happen, but definitely put your own spin on your own on your own team. Yeah, and I think, you know, similar to your point, uh, I think part of what builds into what you're saying, too, is evaluate the player based on their talent. Um, and, I, and I'm guilty of, you know, straying from that as well. I, I remember very clearly during the season, I think week five or six or somewhere in there, um, where Sammy Watkins was doing pretty poorly and uh, someone, yeah. someone dropped him in one of my leagues. And I literally said, you know, no, there's no reason to pick him up. Leave him out there. Um, and I was dead wrong. And he blew up for quite a few games, uh, you know, during the rest of the season. Um, and that was a, a, a stark reminder to me that, you know, even if he's not in the greatest situation, uh, even if he's, you know, hurt a lot, uh, he's the talent is sky high and the ceiling's very high. And you should never forget that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 14 point week, 30 point week, 33 point week. I mean, if the talent's there and the opportunity's there, which I mean, Sammy Watkins is a, is a receiver who can get the ball deep. You know, I, that, that same mistake happened in, uh, in one of my other leagues, that one where I started and five, somebody outright dropped Sammy Watkins. I didn't get him, uh, but somebody picked him up and, um, enjoyed the successes with him. Yeah, and going back real quick to what you were saying about, uh, you know, making our own rankings and all that, I think uh, an important uh, continuation or part two of that um, is then to stick by your ranks. Um, You know, don't change them just because they look different from, you know, the experts online or or someone on Twitter saying that that's stupid. Um, You know, kind of stick to your guns within reason because at the end of the day, you know, you can say, oh... Um, for example, I, I have a friend in Pittsburgh who plays fantasy and they know that, uh, Steelers players are always overdrafted because they're in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, and he wanted to take Martavis Bryant in the third round. And I told him you should absolutely do that. If you feel that he's going to be a top 10, top 15 wide receiver, uh, it doesn't matter where his ADP is. As, as long as you get him and you believe that he's going to do that well, you got to take some risks. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anybody else that would have told him that, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I can't disagree with that whatsoever. It's all about relative value. Each one of these drafts is about relative value. And one of the things to help solidify your own rankings um, might sound stupid, but seriously, uh, mock drafts, uh, they may take a while, but there, there's plenty of websites out there that have really quick mock drafts that happen, but I I do actually think that actually sitting through one and seeing, you know, how long it takes and timing things out and actually going through with it and drafting people based on your ranks, practice might not make perfect. You know, it's not going to make you have the perfect draft, but practice does make permanent. And you can say, thanks coach. After that one practice makes permanent. And the more you, you know, the more you ingrain yourself into thinking a certain way and doing something a certain way and not being swayed by what other people are, are, are trying to tell you about your, your players and your rankings, the more you're going to be able to stick to your guns. Yeah. And I guess the one caveat I, I would add on to what you said is, is just be wary of, you know, the mock drafts, depending on where you're doing them. Cause I know a lot of, you know, different sites host them. Um, but people don't necessarily take them seriously or, you know, they drop out midway through and you're stuck with, you know, six or seven auto drafters by round five. Um, yeah, kind of to combat that, I think one uh, really good and fun resource 
Um, if you guys haven't heard of MFL, uh, that's M. Not I've 10. heard of the NFL. Um, they do these things called MFL tens, and they start pretty early in the off season. I want to say by like May or so. Um, where basically you do these drafts and they're best ball leagues, so you don't have to do anything with them once the draft is complete. Um, so you're not setting lineups during the season or anything. They basically just take, you know, the highest scoring quarterback that you have for the week and, you know, give you those points. And then same with, you know, the two running backs and the wide receivers and your flex position. Um, so basically you're doing these drafts and it's a best ball league. Uh, but they're almost like early mock drafts, and they're only ten bucks to enter. And you know, first place gets a hundred bucks, and second place gets a, a buy-in for a, ne- a league next year. Um, and I think that one, they're fun when you know fantasy football isn't quite back yet. Um, and two, they're a really good way to kind of do a practice mock draft, but also have it you know be worth something, so that you don't get people who are just you know screwing around or you know drop out halfway. Definitely the the. The closer you can get it to the real thing, the better. And of course, that is still the real thing as, you know, there's there's something on the line there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, it's about having fun and, you know, win or lose, depending on you know how well you did in your league. I, I hope you, you know, one thing is I, I like, you know, playing for money. Uh, it keeps things interesting. But at the same time, I like playing in leagues where I know most of the people because it's more fun. There's more trash talking. Uh, there's more you know, side bets made and there's more just, I don't know, more, more invested in it than just money. Even definitely the spirit of fantasy is, is, is having fun. You know, Uh, I mean, I've enjoyed fantasy with you and I, I think this is actually the first year you've consistently beat me. Um, I think, I think until this year, I don't think you have a win registered against me. Which <laughs> All right, I had would... one win registered against you, but I, <laughs> no. I get your point, uh, you know. Uh, and I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, even people who know a lot about what they're doing, uh, and, and taking you as an example, uh, can do poorly, whether due to injury or luck. And at the end of the day, it's about, you know, just beating you <laughs> no. yeah um, it, it was most in in one league it was most definitely due to luck andrew luck in specific yeah but i i mean in general i i think it's the fact that it doesn't matter necessarily you know whether you know everything or you're the best player as long as you're you know enjoying what you're doing and you're you're you know staying focused and you know at least trying you know to win uh, i hate people who just give up halfway through herm edwards said it best you play to win the game. Yeah, remind us again uh, what he says. You play to win the game. Yeah, and uh, you know, kind of a sidebar, but just please, please don't be that guy or that girl who you know is like you said. You were zero and five in a league. You easily could have given up and stopped checking that league, and you know, been a bum, but you weren't. No. I wasn't a bum. I was the man, as a matter of fact. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, get, um, I, really insp- I got really inspired all of a sudden. I got to reel myself in. Yeah, and I mean, again, I, I can't emphasize enough. I know I've already said it once or twice in just this podcast episode, but, you know, things change so quickly week to week in the NFL, whether it's an injury to a star player um, or a coach get fu- gets fired and you decide to give Lamar Miller 20 touches the next game. Um, or, you know, just a, a huge rain delay uh, or, a, you know, lightning lights a field on fire. Um, you know, every, yeah. every little thing affects how a player is going to perform. 
And of course you can't, you're never going to be able to predict everything unless you, you know, come back from the future. And, and at that point, I hope you're, you know, playing the Powerball or something and not, not playing fantasy. That's um, right. <laughs> but uh, speaking of which, if, if you, uh, we are recording this on Wednesday time? night. It, no, we're about two hours away, but uh, oh, two you hours know, away. Okay. Um, just, I just want to apologize ahead of time uh, because if I win, I will rub it in everybody's faces. Um mm. And honestly, uh, being a good, <laughs> uh, but we just but, preaching about having fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. Dan's, yeah. Dan's right. yeah. Winning um, with dignity and grace. Where did that, where did that go? Well, no, no, no. First comes gloating and then, and then you make people feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. First comes gloating, then comes gluttony or what? Well, it's like the, it's like the different stages of grief. There's also the different stages of triumph, I think. Ah, that is, that's that whole, uh, giraffe stuck in the whole thing, huh? I have no idea what you just said. Giraffe stuck in a hole? Is that an oh, analogy? If you ever want to learn about Kohlberg's sta- five stages of grief, look up look up stages of grief giraffe. It, you'll never forget them. It's it's a great great video on YouTube. Really? I, I wasn't aware that was yeah. a thing. Hmm. Well, you are now. All right. Well, see, you learn something new every day, and now I'm going to apply that knowledge at some point in my life. I think. Exactly. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to what I was saying, just really, you know, every week, every little thing, and you're never going to be able to predict, you know, this is the week that Julio Jones decide to, decides to blow up against Josh Norman. Um, you know, nobody could have predicted that he would have over 100 yards and, and a touchdown, uh, you know, in what it was a week 15 or 16, 16, um, the championship game where Julio yeah. Jones got you like 25 points. Yep. Um, yeah. Ride your studs. Yeah, or you're not. You're never going to know that Eddie Lacy is going to, you know, do terribly against the worst run defense in the league. Uh, it's stuff like that that you can't predict, but you know you can plan as much as as much as you can, and you know as long as you're making decisions based off of the the best information that you have, you shouldn't regret those decisions. And that's half of the fun of fantasy is finding this outside information, finding this outside material, figuring out what uh, what uh, you know LaShawn McCoy has said this time, or what Greg Hardy has said about who's you know which quarterback's wife, and they're talking about it in the locker room to affect you know which uh, you know offensive lineman's going to be playing a little harder to see to open the holes for your running back. Uh, where where Tony Rome or where. Uh, where Johnny Manziel is every given week, all those good things. Um, you know, football is the game of inches, but but fantasy football is the game of decimals and the game of tabloids, and you've got to pay attention to them all, and you've got to enjoy them all. Soak them in. I mean, it's 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 a fantasy life, right? We're just living in it. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, I love that you brought that up because I was going to mention uh, t- earlier in the podcast. Um, so, so this coming week, uh, Green Bay is playing Arizona and, um, you know, yesterday, oh, yeah. yesterday there was a rumor out that Aaron Rodgers had proposed to his girlfriend, Olivia Munn. Mm-hmm. Um, that rumor has since been disproved that it didn't happen, but I was going to say, you know, it's even little things that like that, that could swing a matchup because, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you just got engaged, if you're anybody and you just got engaged, you're getting texts and calls, uh, you know, at all hours, uh, you know, distracting you, congratulating you. Uh, that takes your focus off. Yeah, he's he's got a lot going on right now. Uh, and that, that team has already been fragile. Um, I'm looking for Arizona to hammer them and not just because I hate the Packers. Yeah, I, I, I specifically remember saying 
to a friend yesterday after I found out that rumor uh, saying that that's an idiotic thing. And I think the Packers are going to lose even worse because of that, because why is his focus on proposing during the playoffs? And clearly, uh, you know, it's untrue now. So he he was smart and it didn't do that in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, But uh, I mean, you, you know, with talk like that, I mean, somebody's in his ear. Somebody started that rumor. I mean, it, it, it's, fr- it's somewhere and you know, this is going to be affecting him. You know, his, his girlfriend is going to be, you know, chirping at him, texting him about all of this. Uh, his family's going to be getting, uh, I mean, they, when you're talking marriage and you're talking, you know, an NFL quarterback, I mean, there, there's, it's going to be nonstop issue for, for this guy. And I'm, I'm reveling in it. Yeah, but I think it's just funny that you brought that up, that the tabloids can, you know, have an effect on fantasy football, and that's absolutely true. And they do. They're humans, just like you or I. If anything happened in your life, my life, it would affect you at your job, affect me at mine. Yeah, and I mean, you can... I mean, you try not to let it, but life is life. Sure, and I was going to say, you can analyze, you know, a wide receiver against a cornerback matchup all you want about, you know, their different skill sets. Um, and they're, you know, different, uh, you know, techniques and how well they, they've been doing. But at the end of the day, it could be something as simple as, you know, let's say they're playing, uh, you know, in Dallas uh, against Dallas. And, uh, you know, there are certain stretches of the field where depending on the time of the game played, the sun changes. And for one quick moment, it gets in that cornerback's eyes and it, he lets go, you know, an 80 yard touchdown. Exactly. Or, 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 you know, two plays prior, uh, Steve Smith punched him in the mouth. This plays, uh, the cornerbacks looking to headhunt him, <laughs> whiffs him, whiffs on him at the line and, you know, burns him for 80 yards deep. Yeah. It's, it's every little thing like that that makes it fun. Yeah. Or I guess, well, I guess now that Steve Smith's, uh, you know, a little more tame and old and he's not tame and old, he's, he's a monster on the field and I love watching him play, but he hasn't been on the field, but now it's if Odell Beckham Jr. Punches you in the mouth and then you try and take it, take a look at him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think we've rambled enough for one night. Uh, I suppose so. <laughs> uh, if you've stuck with, with us this long, uh, you know, I, I hope you got something out of it or at least uh, a few laughs um but uh you know ultimately we we decided not to to really touch on dfs stuff for this coming uh divisional weekend or anything because uh, we really wanted this show to just be about wrapping up 2015 and and talking about some overall strategies and and trends and just discussing fantasy in general yeah Um, let us know if you thought it was terrible we won't do it again (laughs) (laughs) or we'll just ignore you (laughs) one or the other yeah Yeah. i don't pay much Uh, attention to people that's not true i pay attention (laughs) to everybody so yeah i mean i i guess uh you know we we sincerely hope that uh one either you, you won some money or some championships uh in your leagues this past season or at least had fun uh more importantly um and honestly, you know, just uh, looking ahead, uh, we're, we're certainly still going to do um, a few episodes here and there throughout the off season. Um, probably quite not quite as many, uh, certainly not weekly. Um, but just uh, com- coming on soon, uh, we're going to do a, a Dynasty and Keeper show. Um, and we might try to get a couple uh, guests uh, to appear on the podcast as well, uh, give you some uh, some relief from just us ranting. Uh, Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, and uh, you know we'll we'll announce those as we uh, get more uh, more scheduling figured out for the coming weeks and months. On um, the Twitter. I'm sorry. On the Twitter. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you, you had such a good. So I guess accent they're gonna there. have to follow us on Twitter to figure out who the uh, who the special guests are, won't they? Yeah, you know, I guess they will. Uh, why don't you tell them how they can do that? Good, they would good probably segue. have to, at, you know, follow you. you at ffa underscore mung m e n g or follow me. I said or, but I meant and. Follow <laughs> me at ffa underscore los l o s and heck. Why not even follow the producer, the super producer, Dan the Man Green, at FFA underscore D-A-N. That's one N. Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, you know, enjoy the playoffs, uh, even if you don't play daily, um, because I think it's one of the few, some of the few weeks where I, I can just watch football without really having anything invested. I mean, I have a few daily lineups here and there just for fun, but... It's nice to sit back and not have to analyze every little thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes as much as I love fantasy football, uh, every now and again, it's nice to just watch a game with absolutely nothing riding on it and, you know, rooting for uh, different teams and not specific players on different teams. Definitely. That's what uh, I wish that's what week 17 was all about. But so many players are rested in week 17. And then I wish that's what the Pro Bowl was about. But nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. And then I wish that's what the playoffs was for. And that's what I'm keeping the playoffs for. Yeah. And uh, certainly uh, the Super Bowl uh, is more fun because, you know, really you're spending time with your friends or family or whoever you're watching and with. And uh, you know, eating some nasty junk food that's uh, terrible for you, but delicious for your mouth. Yep. And everybody, and you got your squares sheets. Of course, everybody knows what the score is. Everybody's reaching over each other for the one copy of the poorly written uh, squares and numbers. The things, you know, got Doritos all over it. It's got wing, you know, wing sauce, but, uh, but you're going to find your numbers and you're not going to win, but you're going to almost win. But uh, they're going to make that field goal, unfortunately. Yeah, or you're you're gonna be winning with like 30 seconds left, and then Jim Harbaugh tells his uh tells his quarterback to or his punter, I'm sorry, to take a knee in the end zone and, and swing <laughs> One of the crazy other. lines. And yeah, I mean, and that's why that's why as crazy as football is, it's fun because it's unpredictable, just like life. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure rambling to you guys tonight. Um. You know, I, I think you've all lost some brain cells because of it, but uh, that's what we're here for. That's right. Uh, parting thought from me. Uh, we've made it through crazy number, 55 episodes. We've made it through an entire offseason and an entire season. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for all the support you've all shown us. Um, really, really, it does mean a lot. Uh, I know I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, probably, and I probably don't sound very good on the uh, on the radio. But I'm gonna keep plugging away at it because it's because it's a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, and I will certainly uh, second those remarks. Uh, we appreciate uh, every single one of you who uh, who listens. To maybe not every podcast, maybe not every episode, but certainly uh, for sticking with us. And hopefully, uh, we helped you win some leagues or at least some weeks. Um, and yeah, uh, as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.